Hey everyone, this is Jamie Bateman. Real quickly, I wanted to share with you something uh, that's been pivotal in the growth and success of my businesses, and that is my partnership with Haven Financial Services. Um, I've been working with Haven for over a year now. Christine Valdez was on episode 70 of this podcast. So go check that out if you want to hear her story. It was a fantastic personal story for sure. But Haven has been awesome. They provide me with monthly reports that are super clear and discernible. And it, that provides me with clarity and focus so that I can do what I do best, which is running my businesses, not preparing financial reports. Um, again, if you're in the market for a top-notch financial service company, uh, or if you just want to check one out, go to www.jamiebateman slash Haven and check out Haven Financial Services. Again, that's jamiebateman slash Haven. I uh, can't recommend them enough. Christine and her team have been fantastic. So I definitely recommend you check out Haven Financial Services at www.jamiebateman forward slash Haven. Let's get back to the show. This episode is a little bit different than many of the the episodes we've had before. It's really powerful. We chatted with Jay Jablonski, who is an old college friend of mine. And Jay, Jay is an actor and movie producer. And he's um, been in some big films for sure. We talk a lot about the ups and downs of his his life and his career. And what's in it for you really is a discussion about self-awareness, addiction, and fear. I know that unfortunately, a lot of us can relate to all of those things. And fortunately, unfortunately, but Jay had a lot of fear that was kind of throughout his life, fear that anything going well was going to end, that he was going to screw it up. And this, um, you know, he did screw a lot of things up. I think he would uh, admit that. I think he has admitted that. So that's not me piling on, but he would take bad situations and make them worse by turning to drugs and alcohol and his career, which would, was taking off in, in uh, Hollywood, started to take a nosedive and then he hit rock bottom. And we're going to talk about that. And he's sober now has a new movie out, which he's an actor in and a producer of. It's not your typical entrepreneur discussion. It's not a lot about business. It's more about life. And uh, although actors in a lot of ways are entrepreneurs, this one is, is more relatable in some ways for anyone dealing with addiction or fear. We talk about community, the importance of community, but the importance of taking ownership of your situation and being intentional about what is important to you and what you want in life and the this and putting yourself in in situations and environments where you can thrive this one is outstanding buckle up welcome to the from adversity to abundance podcast are you an entrepreneur or aspiring entrepreneur then this show is for you each week we bring you impactful stories of real people who have overcome painful human adversity to create a life of abundance. You are not alone in your struggle. Join us and you will experience the power of true stories and gain practical knowledge from founders who have turned poverty into prosperity and weakness into wealth. This podcast will encourage you through your health, relationship, and financial challenges so you can become the hero in your quest for freedom. Take ownership of the life you are destined to live. Turn your adversity into abundance. 
Welcome, everybody, to another episode of the From Adversity to Abundance podcast. I am your host, Jamie Bateman, and I'm super pumped today to have with me an old friend of mine, Jay Jablonski. Jay is an actor, producer. Um, we'll get into all the other things he's he's dabbled in over the years. Jay, how are you doing today? I'm great, man. It's great to great to be with you, Jamie. Yeah, absolutely. I know we were joking before we hit record that you were up all night and nervous about this. You know, you're you're really not good behind uh, the Zoom camera. Your your reputation as <laughs> as the the hardest presser on the on the interview circuit is uh it, yeah. it, it, it it's legendary. So emotionally. absolutely. Absolutely. So, well, I'll try to put you at ease and we'll, we'll make it, you know, we'll get through this. I appreciate you. <laughs> so Jay, for the listener out there who is not familiar with you, um, who are you and what are you up to today? Uh, my name is Jay Jablonski. Um, I am an actor and a film producer. Um, as, as you mentioned, you know, we went to Gettysburg College together. Uh, yeah. My, my, my story of kind of how I got into this is, is, um, I, I never, I didn't plan on being uh, in the entertainment industry. I, I really wasn't sure what I wanted to do. I knew I wanted to be in the military when I was young and some injuries uh, while at Gettysburg um, prevented that from, from coming to fruition, but, but it brought me to this path. So I yeah. guess I'm very grateful for that. Absolutely. So I know we'll get into your uh, most, uh, your, your recent movie release, which is, which is exciting. Um, yeah, it's pretty pretty awesome what you're up to. But uh, let's dive. You, you referred to your backstory, so let's let's dive in. Um, yeah. You know, th- th- so obviously the 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 podcast is called From Adversity to Abundance, and um, you and I had a call before, and we we talked about a good bit of the adversity that you've been through, which is very very real. And um, you know, the the goal is not to make anybody cry or anything like that, but <laughs> but if it happens, you know. <laughs> But uh, no, I appreciate you being vulnerable. You know, before we get into this, I, I'll just say I appreciate you uh, being vulnerable with with the uh, the listener. And the whole intent here is to inspire people and to let them know that hey, look, you're you're going to go through some rough times. We all do, and um, this is Jay's story. And and we're we're here to pull out lessons that you've learned, and and hopefully we can prevent some pain and hardship for other people. And and then talk about some of the adversity that you've you've reached, um, whether you know whatever shape that has taken. Um, yeah. So, you referred to uh, to Gettysburg. Maybe is that a good place to start? Sure. Yeah. Um, you know, w- when we were in a when we were at Gettysburg in um, in the nineties, Jamie, we're getting old. <laughs> uh, you know, I I went into school. I had always been. Um, I was sort of a poster boy for ADHD my whole my whole life. Back back when I was a kid, ADHD wasn't really on the forefront of things. Um, you were just yeah. sort of known as an asshole. Um, <laughs> like so you, you were cutting and, edge on that that scene. Exactly. Yeah. Um, but uh, I had a lot of energy. I think we talked about that. And I I, oh, I truly, from as young as I can remember, I felt like I was plugged in. I felt like I had the, like truly like electricity, just so much energy running through me. And that, mm-hmm. that was a, that could be a beautiful thing if harnessed, uh, if harnessed correctly and, and, mm-hmm. and allocated to, to, to a good source, or it sure. could be a real negative thing, especially if I didn't get it out. And, um, so going into college, you know, I was an athlete throughout high school, everything I, I lived to play football. 
Uh, I was not very, I was not the Jamie Bateman of lacrosse um, <laughs> to the Gettysburg bullet football team at all, but I did love playing and, and um, I very much identified with, with as being an athlete my entire life. Yeah. And so when I went into college, as I said, I was an economics major. I had no intention or, or, or thought of really going into the acting world, though I got to tell you, I was always very, very intrigued by the acting world. I, I used to do plays when I was a little kid in like fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth grade. And then by the time I got to high school, it was it was all about sports. So there were no time for the plays anymore. When I went to college, I, I took an economics uh, degree or I, I took an economics major um, strictly because I grew up about you know 30 miles outside Manhattan. I figured... Sure. I'll probably end up in finance in some way or another. But Makes what sense. I really wanted to do was was go to the Marine Corps. So I spent my whole freshman year applying to and testing for uh, officer candidate school for, for the United States Marine Corps. Mm -hmm. And I was accepted at the end of the year. I went to Quantico for about two months. And it's just a beat down. You know, it's yeah, just, yeah, uh, they, they weed, yeah, they weed you out. I think we started with maybe 30 or 36 guys in our platoon or something. It's been a long time. So don't sure. numbers might be off, but I think we graduated with like 11 and oh. it was, it was the hardest and, and also the best thing I had ever done. It was awesome. And when I came back to school, um, you know, I went right into football camp. So, so having spent two months at OCS mm -hmm. in that heat and everything, and, and with those yeah. physical demands, I had yeah. lost a ton of weight and sure. I remember my, my Oso, my officer selection officer said something to the effect of your football coach is going to hate me because I, <laughs> I was so skinny going into yeah. camp. And you were, um, you were a running back, right? I was, I was a running yeah. back and, um, and I gotta say, so, 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 so sophomore year. So during that preseason, you know, I felt like I was performing, performing pretty well and everything very well, actually. Um, and I got kind of, not to get too into it, but I butted heads a bit with with uh, with my coach, and mm -hmm. it was over it was over playing time and this and that. And mm -hmm. long story short, my emotional quotient back mm -hmm. then was mm -hmm. was not nearly what it is today. Mm -hmm. And in and I got we got drunk one night and. Mm -hmm. We were talking, I think it was about something with football and everything. And I was pissed at the situation and I put my mm -hmm. hand through the window and I cut the nerves and tendons in my right hand and wow. it ended that season completely, obviously. Right. Completely wow. my fault. And what would, what, what could have been a, a, a really good warning sign for me to, to yeah. maybe leave alcohol in, in the past. Mm. Um, I just didn't heed that warning whatsoever. Sure. Yeah. No, and that's uh, I just had a I just had a guest on the show um who we talked about compounding. He actually talked about, you know, now granted, we're we're using hindsight here. We're much older, as you said, Jay. It's very easy for us to look back and say, Jay should have made a better decision in this in this situation, you know, in these circumstances, of course, right? But right. you took a challenging situation and you made it worse just to just to at, at the risk of beating you up over this no but, no no please, please. Um, you made it you compounded the situation because you decided to get not only get drunk but also then you know lost control of 
what probably, you know, so then, then you damaged your, your hand and then you lost your season. Yes. So, and, and again, e- easy for me to sit here and pick you apart, but no, no, please. Um, I guess for the listener, it's like, look, bad things are going to happen. You're going to have situations where you're not playing as much as you want to, or I'm assuming you weren't happy with your, the, you, you thought you should be playing more. You weren't, you weren't mad that you were playing too much, I'm guessing. Um, but uh, so you t- took a, a challenging situation and you made it worse unintentionally, but you made it worse. And so now you've got, now you missed your entire season. Yep. And as I can relate to, and many listeners can relate to, your identity is wrapped up in this. And so it's not just, oh, how many yards was I going to, you know, rush for that season or whatever. It's like, this is, this is who you are back then, right? Right. Well, it's a couple of things. You talked about compounding, compounding what was already a, a bad issue, and and hindsight is twenty twenty. And and I'm really good at beating myself up at times, as I'm sure we all are. Um, you know, one of the things that disappoints me most about my reaction um, to it all was the fact that being on a football team or or whatever sport you play you're part of a team it's not it's not an individual sport so um in football you have 11 guys on on a side and if every guy isn't doing their job um the machine doesn't run well right kind of mm-hmm. a bill belichick way sure. and um and i was thinking i was coming at that from a, a very individualistic kind of mm-hmm. attitude right there i was saying look at look at the numbers I put up in this game. Look at like what, what, you know, and it was, I didn't make the final call coach does that. And, and I was there to serve a, to serve a team and to be a member of a team. And so anyway, um, that, that was, that's, that's, that's something that I really lost sight of. I think when I did get injured, when I did put my hand through that window and everything and the season was over, I was, I was terrified of a couple of things. Number one, it's the first time since third grade that I wasn't going to play football. Number two, uh, I don't, I wasn't sure what kind of use I was going to have of my hand again, having cut the nerves and tendons the way I did. And number three, I didn't know how that was going to affect moving forward with the Marine Corps. Mm -hmm. So, um, fortunately I was able to, you know, use my hand again and everything. Um, but I did, I did lose a lot of, of, uh, a lot of like the sensation in it. Mm -hmm. Um, anyway, I, I, I started worrying though, like I just couldn't imagine not playing football. So I needed something to fill that void. And I began thinking of things that I could do this and that. And I just remembered, I always, I always had a love for theater from when I was a kid, uh, for acting, for entertainment. Um, I was very much sort of like a, a clown, like a, a, a funny you know mm-hmm. try to be a funny guy a lot and all that kind of thing um and so i started taking theater classes at gettysburg mm-hmm. and it was a wonderful experience it kind of it kind of brought me back into that world and um i continued doing that for for the next three years gotcha so and then what was the story with the the military at this point with the marine corps so um so the the way officer candidate school works is you go summer after freshman year well, you can do it one way or another. You can do it in one long summer, but that would have yeah. prevented me from going to uh, football camp on time. Sure. So I did it summer after freshman year, and I would go back summer after junior year, or, or so gotcha. I thought. Mm, um, got it. Ju- <laughs> yeah, go- going into junior or 
during, I came back from that injury sophomore year and junior year, about maybe the third weekend in a, in a scrimmage, um, I tore my ACL, MCL, and PCL in my, my right knee. And that was the end of that season. Got it. So, and that that's also, huge. yeah, that was that's... the end of going to OCS after that summer. So the idea was I would go instead summer after senior year now. So the plan was to be, you know, commissioned as a second lieutenant upon graduation. Sure. Yep. Um, that wasn't going to happen at graduation. So I thought I would go back. But Got it. I went back again senior year. And the second day of preseason, I tore the ACL um, off the screws and the MCL again on the same knee. And uh, that was just that was the whole end of the the whole Marine Corps. Got it. As, I see. As and it, yeah. And, and again, this is the caveat here is that, look, we we're doing a. 45 to 60 minute podcast episode and and we're glossing right over all this like real very challenging time you know and so but that's i mean that's uh, yeah i mean i can't i mean that's i would i would get injured in lacrosse i you know but i never i never had a devastating injury of course i did just recently um two years ago rupture my achilles playing badminton but we can yeah you can make oh. fun of me for that after we after no, no, no. <laughs> um but but yeah thankfully didn't ever have such a devastating injury you know during the during my uh college career in lacrosse but i mean that's huge and so yeah uh so two different years in a row it sounds like you had three major, well three two, well you two had the, on the field one off yeah, the field right. yeah so three major injuries whether self-induced or not and yeah. so that kind of derailed both your football career and and your OCS your your military um career and and by the way I did do OCS for in the army later uh but it's the, you know did the, the long summer um in in Georgia which was super hot um yeah. but uh and and <laughs> also very challenging and um also great experience but and also lost a lot of weight yeah, <laughs> during that sure. so i can relate to a lot of that but um but this isn't about me but uh and so so you got back into you know kind of a blessing in disguise it sounds like you got back to, into acting and, and theater um so how did that how did that go from there so um well, like i said yeah i I did. I started doing uh, the one act plays and some of the the other plays at school and everything, and and I loved it. I I caught the bug, or you know, mm -hmm. again, I forgot. I had forgotten how much I missed it, and um, and so I very quickly in the back of my mind was, am I going to go pursue a finance job or mm -hmm. am I going to give this this acting thing a shot? Mm -hmm. And um, now during all of this, I'll just tell you at school. My drinking, you know, which which uh, which was was already an issue that I didn't recognize, um, mm. but it was only progressing with all of these injuries and the inability to go out and get that energy out that I spoke of at the beginning. Mm -hmm. um, I I was I was searching for just escape, total total escape, um, and and it's it was scary because my lack of presence for a long time. Um, at Gettysburg and beyond uh, was was really it was a little bit scary. It's it's scary looking back on it. You know mm -hmm. um, the, the 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 need for escape, the the mm -hmm. search for escape, and everything um, kind of fueled me. And when you're doing that, it's very hard to be to be present and and you know 
and, sure. and focused. So, um, but anyway, um, yeah, so, so we got through college, uh, graduate, told my dad, I think I'm going to give this acting thing a shot. Uh-huh. And my dad said to me, just promise me if you're going to do it, do it a hundred percent. After college, I moved to Manhattan. I studied a bit more there. And then I, I knew in the back of my mind that I was going to have to go to LA. I was, I, I'd have dreams about Los Angeles and the industry and all this kind of stuff. And I had never been to LA. I'd never, I just, uh-huh. I was dreaming about what I thought LA was. And right. um, so one day I packed up and I, at 24, I drove cross country and I didn't have a place to live, anything. I just <laughs> said, oh, I'll figure it out. It was part of the adventure. Wow. And, um, you know, it was, it was, it was awesome. It, it was a very exciting time in my life for sure. Did you have, I mean, you must've had a friend out there or some, some kind of like remote uh, semblance of a plan, right? Uh, not really. So truly not, not really. When I, when I was driving cross country, a friend of a friend said, Hey, do you know that, um, uh, Danny and Jared moved out there. These guys are a few years younger than me and Danny's coming home. Jared's going to need a roommate. And I said, cool, where, where is it? And they said, it's in Van Nuys. And I was like, it sounds glorious. And Van Nuys was anything but glorious at the time. And, uh, and, but it was great. It was just, you know what I mean? It was something, it was the opposite side of where I, I grew up. I grew up in a very small kind of cookie cutter town. Mm-hmm. Um, very fortunate to grow up there. It, it, sure. it offered a lot of opportunity and, and it was idyllic in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. But it was also very much a bubble, as as so many small towns are. And sure. so I knew as a kid, I wanted out. Like mm-hmm. the Marine Corps was going to offer me that. Now this is yeah. going to offer me that. I was just like, I'm leaving. So, um, so yeah, it was all very, very exciting and mm-hmm. uh, and all very eye-opening as to how, how very little I knew about life <laughs> in the real world. Yeah. Okay. So you get to L.A. and... And what happens? Uh, I get out there and I had no, I, I had no, I didn't know anything about the entertainment industry. I was just trying to figure it out. So first thing I did was I got a job. I actually got three jobs. I was working at a clothing store. I was doing flooring demolition and Hmm. at night through the night. And then I would do, um, I was working at the Sony studios just sort of as an office grunt, you know, do this, do that, okay. file this way, whatever. But I was hoping, you know, in in, in being there, I might start meeting people and and sure. you know get a get a leg up somehow. And and eventually, I did. I, I met somebody there who introduced me. I think it was to his mother in law who became my first my first agent. And I was pretty fortunate in the first in the first. Um, well, let let me take this back a minute because I don't want to gloss over an important thing. Yeah. So I did that for the first, I was, I moved there in March of 20, uh, March of 01. Okay. And in November of 01, I went home for Thanksgiving break. Okay. And now I didn't drink really at all. When I went out to Los Angeles, okay. I, I think subconsciously, leaving where I was from everything. Mm-hmm. It was an opportunity for me to leave the demons in the past too, even though I didn't verbally recognize them. Um, I think subconsciously sure. I knew they were there. Kind of a reset. And, yeah. And then when I went back home at Chris at Thanksgiving, um, it was the night before Thanksgiving. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. I got absolutely gassed up. Yeah. And when we left the bar that night, my friends were walking down the street and they were maybe a hundred yards ahead of me or something. And I was looking for him. I see him and I go running down the sidewalk. And rather than just run on the sidewalk, I needed to make it interesting. And I <laughs> chose to jump while running full speed off of like a six foot brick wall, which landed into a parking lot. And when I landed, my knee dislocated, uh, my other, my good knee at the time, and I landed on it and I shattered that knee into seven pieces. Wow. That kept me home in Jersey. I had surgery. I was trying to recover. I didn't walk right for like, I don't know, probably about eight months or so. Um, and, and I got through that. I returned to Los Angeles and Fortunately, I kind of picked up where I left off and very quickly I started booking national commercials and and small roles on soap operas and Mm -hmm. and Mm co-stars and and this sort of thing. Mm -hmm. So there was never, I seemed to have gotten away with it again. You know what Mm -hmm. I mean? Like, Yeah. Yeah. And in in, in hindsight, it's another pretty big warning. Like, hey, you probably shouldn't be doing the drinking thing. Yeah. you know, yeah, I, I was I was never looking. I didn't have self a lot of self awareness. Years mm-hmm. later, my brother would tell me, "You your self awareness is seriously lacking," and he mm-hmm. he was so dead on. Mm-hmm. But when you're in it and and you're yeah. you just there's a refusal often or just an unwillingness and or an inability to see to see that truth. Sure. Um, and so at that point, I wasn't seeing it. And and as I said, essentially, I got away with it again. Like, yeah, yeah I got yeah. away with putting my hand through a window. I got right. away with jumping off a wall. And now I'm, my career seems to be going pretty well. Right, and, right. and while that's that's that can seem like a blessing in the moment to get away with something. Right. Um, I sometimes wonder if I didn't get away with it, mm. would I have made some of these lifestyle changes a lot earlier? And who who knows? You know, I sure. I, I have yeah. no idea whether that's true or I would have or not. But right. nevertheless, I, I do wonder sometimes. Anyway, I start um I start booking some stuff. I catch uh, the attention of a of a very powerful agent out there, and under his um, kind of tutelage, if you will, or whatever, I start booking uh, some independent films and 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 some leads very quickly. So. Everything moved very fast um, mm. in my career and and at, at that time. Mm-hmm. And it, it seemed to be on a really good trajectory. And I was having a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. And and I was doing pretty good work um, as well. Uh, there's something also to be said about things happening very quickly because there was a lot that I didn't know. There was mm. so much that I didn't know. You mean and about, that I, about life or about acting or, or just well about um, life, about um the business side of acting. You sure. know what I mean? The the yeah. there's it's much more than just showing up, <laughs> knowing your lines and, and hitting yeah. your marks. Um sure. there's a business, there's a way to behave, there's a there's a an eagerness to learn and and you know, all this kind of stuff. And the speed at which some some of the things that were happening. I don't know if that precluded me um, from from. I, I didn't have the appreciation that I do now. I'll tell mm-hmm. you. That. I'll tell you that. That's that's a very for some very, for some of the opportunities you were getting and yeah, 
Yeah. Gotcha. Um, so what what is that? Just briefly, what is that like? You know, for any actor who's trying to make it big, um, because you know we talk in the entrepreneur you know, entrepreneurship world, it, it's very different. You know, being a great, I don't know, baker uh, versus running a bakery or you know yes. many bakeries. Very different skill set running the business. So what is that like as a as a as an actor trying to make it big? Um, you know, from the business standpoint, um, understanding the game, um, and it, it's all a game. Everything's a game, right? Sure. Yeah. It's understanding the game is, uh, it would behoove anybody to understand the game before mm. entering the game. Um, and I was very much <laughs> with that energy that I had with uh, the enthusiasm that I had. And I think my enthusiasm has been it's been a real blessing in my life and and it mm-hmm. can be a curse as well but it mm-hmm. it it has helped me in a, in a number of ways to either gain attention or and whatever so my enthusiasm kind of got me through the gates mm-hmm. without necessarily knowing i knew how to act i don't mean that right. i'm talking right, about right. the business side of it um yeah. but and and by the way i could certainly have still i, I and i'm you can, I'm still getting better as an actor. It's not like I know it, you know. <laughs> right, right, really sure. Better. There's there's always but, um, room for improvement. Understood. Yes, always. But um, especially if you see some of my early work. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but I um yeah, I didn't really understand the game. I, I got in, I was I was it was sort of like trial by fire. And mm-hmm. there's something yep. to be said about that as well. But um I don't know. I, I, I very quickly. I, I so I booked a small movie called Unrest uh, that Lionsgate put out. It was a horror film, um, and I had a supporting lead in it. And the director of that, Jason Ibsen, amazing guy, he took me to dinner while we were shooting and said, "I thought I, I thought he was going to say, take it down a bit." You know, I was doing a lot of improving. I was <laughs> like kind of the class clown of the of the. Uh, in the feature that was my role right right and um so and he said look i want to write my next film for you and i said oh wow. okay cool and sh- sure enough nine ten months later he had a script he had funding and we were we were like heading out to boston to, to shoot and awesome. after that i did another film with val kilmer and another film with Topher Grace and Chris Pratt and Anna Faris. And I did, I just, things were moving yeah. uh, really well. And it was strange because now looking back, the more success that I was gaining, the less mm-hmm. belief I had in myself. Hmm. Interesting. Is that now why? I mean, there, that's a huge question, but, but why no, is no. that? So I, I, th- I think I know now why hmm. from, from a very young age, I kind of bought into the narrative that I was going to screw it up anyway. Um, I, I I don't know. As as a kid, I like I said, my energy, everything, kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Like I was all over the place. Like you'd be like, sit yeah. down in class and pay attention. Mm-hmm. I had a really hard time sitting still, just and mm-hmm. and just looking I, I didn't learn that way like it sure. wasn't I, I had a very hard time retaining um just by being talked at yeah. and um and so 
you know, you'd get you'd get admonished by your teachers, your parents, whatever it might right. be. And yeah. they're all, all looking at they're all coming from a place of love. They they're all yeah. doing it because they want the best for you, of course. Right. But absolutely. When you can't m- perform at the level that they want or or just, you know, do what they want, um, it doesn't come naturally. There's something there, there's a narrative that begins to unfold. And sure. it's basically like. Yeah, I'm going to screw it up anyway. I'm going to do it right. wrong. I'm going to do it. And, yeah. and, and also, uh, yeah. just to chime in, the, the uh, I mean, you'd had twice, three times your football career was was taken away from you in a sense. Yes. Um, whether you had a role in that or not, it doesn't matter. It's like, so something good was going, right. it was going well, and then it's, then it's ripped away from you. And then the yes. military thing ripped away from you. Um, so, you know, I don't even, we don't even have to frame it, whether you screwed it up or not, but it's like something's going really well and the conditions and your circumstances in your life are really good and things are taking off, but your experience has been that good thing is probably, you know, those good things were taking are often taken away from me. Is that fair to say? And and that, that started young because like, even like whether it was school and I wasn't doing what I was supposed to do or at the Mm -hmm. level that I that people thought I should be doing whatever it was. Mm-hmm. Um, it was, we're going to threaten you with mm-hmm. taking something away mm-hmm. in order mm-hmm. to motivate you to do good. Mm-hmm. Well, that approach, I think is much more of an old school approach. I don't think that's, sure. that's as prevalent today. I certainly hope not. Um, and, and it's a terrible approach because, mm-hmm. or, or I should, it's less than stellar. Uh, it's, <laughs> it, it, um, yeah. It instills fear sure. and, and it makes yeah. fear your motivator. Yeah. And that can be a good thing in some, at, at times. Right. Yeah. Um, but to, to, for fear to be the driving force behind everything, I don't right. think that's necessarily no, the most optimal way to live an sure. approach. Yeah. So I, I had a fear, a, a level of fear in me that right. I, that I ha- didn't even know. Um, right. And it, it was always there. And so as I started becoming more, more and more successful per se, um, yeah. fear that voice yeah. was becoming louder and louder. And, sure. and I, and I knew the one way that I could drown That's out scary. that voice was yeah. with substances. Gotcha. And, yeah. And so, I mean, in that context, it makes sense that you would have that fear, but at the time that you're a rising star, um, not saying you're not a star now, but I'm not, I'm not. <laughs> you're a rising star. But you know, from the outside, most people would say, like, why would you have that fear? You're you're crushing it, man. Like right. it, this makes no sense. Um, so I appreciate you being vulnerable and sharing that because for the you know, most of our listeners are not actors, but they're gonna find themselves in a similar situation where they have that fear, you know, and and from the outside it may look unwarranted. Um and so appreciate you being, being uh, transparent sure. and vulnerable there. So you, so you, but you turn to substances. So walk us through kind of, you know, the next few years, how did that go? Yeah. So, um, you know, I, in, as a young actor and everything in, in Hollywood, I was supplementing my income, um, with doing, you know, gig work. Like I was bartending at night, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and. I was 
which is a giant party scene. I mean, like mm. LA is mm-hmm. LA is a wonderful place. Um, and it's, mm. it's also full of a lot of temptation and, and, and everything. But, um, so I'm working literally like at the party per se. Uh, mm. it's, I'm working in the, the biggest clubs in Los Angeles, uh, bartending this and that. Um, and so I guess I was just around it and I'm not blaming the clubs or anything. This is all mm. my own doing for sure. Um, but I just, the, the places that I was working at just made it, it, it all very readily available. Sure. Yeah. No, what so, I, what I would say to that is for the most part, all of us are really bad at, at some point your, your willpower, even if you didn't want to participate in some of those things, is just, that's your environment that you're that you're in, whether you put yourself in it, you know, that's probably the, the <laughs> for all of us that, you know, it's like, don't put yourself in that environment if you're right. not going to be able to, you know, with, um, withstand the the pressures. But again, we're beating you up in hindsight. No, um, but it's, I'm glad you said that because the thing, the thing about it is, is that I never, the, what you just said about recognizing, okay, maybe I shouldn't go into this environment that would have taken me sitting down for even a minute and mm-hmm. and and trying to be discerning about mm-hmm. my decisions you know mm-hmm. what i mean yeah well that that takes self awareness and and i that was sure. seriously lacking and you know i i look at like when i was playing football and as a running back and everything i wasn't a giant guy i wasn't going to necessarily run through you but i was really shifty side to side you yeah. know and yeah. i was very reactive in that in that sense sure. well um you know, with acting, that reactiveness um, was, it, it can be a very good thing because as long as you're being present and you're reacting honestly, it, it obviously mm-hmm. lends to to uh, good character work and everything. Sure, yeah. Um, but again, there's a time and place to be reactive and mm-hmm. it's not always like, you know <laughs> what I mean? Right, but, right. but if you're coming from a place of fear, Fear yeah. will cause you to be a reactive, you know, mm-hmm. fear will cause anyone to, to, to be a really reactive person. Um, you know, sure. I mean, when, when you think of what happens when you get afraid, you, you know, you jump, you, oh, it's, it's a reaction. It's, it's exactly what it is. Well, mm-hmm. it's that same thing. If I, if I was feeling afraid and not even knowing it, I was probably reacting in some, in some way that was not going to behoove me long term. Yeah. Absolutely. It makes a lot, makes a lot of sense. I mean, it's, again, we have the, the you know, the, un, the um, advantage here of hindsight and uh, yeah. looking back and now we can say, okay, you, Jay didn't have the self-awareness to realize he was living, you were living in fear and reacting in ways that were making your situation worse, right. um, which is a, a strength of yours, the, the reaction and the, whether it's mental or physical, um, uh, can be a strength, but in that context, it was not a strength. It was, it yeah. was, uh, making, making things worse for you. So, you know, how did, you know, let's fast forward a little bit. And, and I know you kind of hit, you know, some, you hit rock bottom. What, what did that look like? Yeah. So, um, so after, uh, after doing a, a series of movies, um, when I was younger and everything, uh, I, my my drinking was just progressing and it wasn't, I was never the kind of guy who woke up in the morning and, and was like drinking on the way to work or something like that. It wasn't like yeah. that, yeah. but um, there's something. So I go to AA and I sit in rooms and, and you know, the best part of AA is just, 
is is being in a room full of other people who um, have either gone through similar things that you have or whatever, but you listen to these people mm-hmm. and you pick up on things in your own life. And it offers a number of things. It offers, number one, an insight as to why I, I did things or, or how I did things. But it also um, it also allows allows everyone in that room to not feel alone because we're all really good at saying, Oh my God, I'm the only person who's ever done this and blah, blah, blah. You know, it's like, no, most likely you're not. And, um, and, and most likely it's not as bad as we we make it out to be, you know, I'm not robbing banks or, or, you know, stealing purses or whatever, you know, I was not doing that kind of stuff. But, um, but so I remember hearing, the, the about alcoholism and some in the in the big book and in the room they were saying it's an allergy of the body and an obsession of the mind and I remember sitting in in the in a meeting and hearing that for the first time and thinking about it and I was like wow hmm. that makes total sense because when I got drunk I didn't know if I was going to be like the normal just you know, jovial sort of social person that night, or if I was just going to be fired up and like, let's go, you know, who knows what was going to happen, you know, like it was like pouring gasoline on fire. And I didn't know which one of those were going to come out. Well, that's the allergy part, because if you're reacting to a sedative in a way that's making you fired up through the roof, most likely your body is, is allergic to that. Um, and the obsessive part uh, was twofold for me. Number one, when I started drinking, I, I didn't have an off switch. My my brother used to call me the one beer wonder. He'd said he'd say if I wanted you to go out and you didn't want to go out, all I had to do was get one beer to your lips, and you were guaranteed to be the last person coming home. And there was no off switch. Mm-hmm. And the other the other obsessive part was, and I didn't realize this till later either, was while I was drinking. Let's say I drank on a Tuesday. Tuesday, I didn't drink on a Wednesday and Thursday, mm-hmm. uh, but I knew I was going to be drinking on Friday. That Wednesday and Thursday, my mind was thinking about what's coming up on Friday. Mm-hmm. So you you weren't present when you were sober. I wasn't basically. present there either. Yeah, gotcha. exactly. And I, I was see. thinking about I, I was so I was thinking about the escape. Mm-hmm. So got it. So anyway, um, my career started taking a nosedive, mm-hmm. and now at the time that it started. Mm-hmm. like any typical uh addict or alcoholic or whatever i blamed everything else but myself <laughs> yeah. you know it wasn't couldn't possibly be my fault it, you know and and of course it was my fault um so the career was going down i had a so, number of i'm sorry go i'm ahead. sorry but so but you do think because you never know it could be you know causality versus correlation they're not the same thing causation correlation so you do think that it was your drinking and and substance abuse that was a direct cause to your career decline? I think it was a a, a part. I I think the biggest part was that um, that fear state of mine Mm, was was became consuming. Got it. And that was that's what really did it. Um, The the things that made me attractive to producers or directors or whatever. And mm-hmm. I don't, I don't mean physically attractive. What I mean is the, the enthusiasm that I'm, I, yeah. I was talking about and the, the, the joy of, of doing it all yeah. was going away. I was becoming numb. 
Um, yeah. I was becoming uh, short tempered mm. um, and I was becoming all it, it, it like the gratification, the immediate gratification kind of thing uh, mm. was so much more abundant than than it should have been mm. you know and when that happens again there's a serious lack of appreciation there's yeah. a lack of gratitude um there's certainly a lack of presence sure and, so you're not you're not present when you're sober you're not really present when you're not sober exactly. you don't have and you didn't have long-term thinking it sounds like as far no, as i did, I did. You know, yeah no. gotcha okay so, so go yep go ahead yeah, so the so so the career started going downhill a bit. Um, I had a number of other surgeries during this time um, mm-hmm. that were, you know, I kept running out there. I, I ran mm-hmm. in the mountains for for years and this and that, and so just mm-hmm. a number of different things happened. But um, and through those surgeries, I was on pain medication mm-hmm. as well. Mm-hmm. So um, I developed a pretty good Vicodin habit for a number of years as well. Mm-hmm. And gotcha. I think pretty good. I mean, pretty bad. Yeah. But, uh, no, it, right. Now I appreciate you and, you know, being vulnerable and I'll, I'll just share, I had, you know, back injuries, you know, probably 15 years ago. Mm-hmm. And it was amazing to me how easily, just how quickly I was prescribed pain meds. Um, yeah. In my case, it was tramadol. Yeah. And um, if, if you Google tramadol, it's like some people claim it's more addictive physically addictive than you know some of the harder core because they call it a pseudo narcotic right it's not really a narcotic but you, you know, get it, you get high it's, after. It's, i've it's, had a lot it, of it, yeah yeah it's addictive it yeah. really is like read some of the forum forums online and you know so it, it's not something to mess around with i'm not saying you should never take tramadol right. in all cases but just be careful and, and so to the listener it's like it's, it's not something to just take lightly so Sounds like you had a, a pretty bad addiction yeah. to to Vicodin. Yeah, it was, it was pretty bad. I mean, I was do, I was taking you know about 120 milligrams a day for for yeah. a number of years, um, yeah. and that's uh, that's a lot of that's Sounds 12, like a lot. 12, 10 milligram pills a day. I mean, it's because so you need you need more and more to. I mean, the to to feel the same way that right. you needed, you know, t- one tenth of that, right? Before. And what, and again, like while this stuff is happening, mm-hmm. it's so it's not. I'm not trying to make an excuse, um, it, but it's so hard to even recognize it because mm-hmm. your body requires this stuff now yeah. to, to yeah. feel normal. Sure. So of course you're kind of going to do like y- y- your your life starts becoming about the drug. You know, I think um, there's a there's a I believe the word addiction is a Latin word for mm. enslavement. Okay. Um, something along those lines. And uh, it's, it's such a perfect thing because you're no longer living your life for you or, or, and most importantly, you're no longer living it for others as well. You yes. know I mean? Yeah. Community is so yeah. important. That's all right. that happens with all of this, these substances and everything is isolation becomes more and more and more, the daily yeah. norm and Absolutely. that's just a terrible place to be because you're you're just living in your head at that point and so my head true. already worked worked fast <laughs> enough and like it's so you know so many thoughts so um so in, in what what starts off as a pursuit for an escape very yeah. much becomes um an enslavement by my own hand that's a great you know? great way to put it 
excellent yeah. way to put it. Yeah. And um, and so uh, so this went on for a number of years. And um, during all this, you know, like I said, my career was faltering. I was doing some some cool stuff. You know, I did like the big short and bad moms and some really mm-hmm. big things in, in, in the middle of all this kind of mm-hmm. stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and never what sucks is that I never looked at that and, and said, if you're able to book these things amongst these like absolute <laughs> titans of the industry, yeah. um, why, you know, what, 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 what could you do, Jay, if you, if you got your shit together for like, yeah, absolutely. Care? You know yeah, what I yeah. mean? If you were sober, you know, right. and just really locked in, dialed in to right. your career. I mean, yeah, those are some impressive things to be doing in those circumstances. Yeah. Um, and um, so, so anyway, during all of this, uh, I ended up getting back together with a, with a girl that I dated years prior. And it was a girl that I thought, you know, I, we dated for a short time. We broke, we, we kind of split up and I thought about her for years, for whatever reason, she was just on my mind. Mm-hmm. And we got back together and it was going really well. And then we went up to um, the San Francisco area for like an engagement party of one of her cousins. Okay. And at that point I wasn't, I wasn't taking any uh, pain meds. Mm-hmm. Um, I really wasn't drinking, but mm-hmm. a few times a year. And mm-hmm. on those few times I'd go big, but mm-hmm. I really wasn't, wasn't doing it. I, I had started to kind of make some changes and then we go up there and her cousins, you know, at the after party, you're saying, Oh, let's just do a shot. Let's do a shot. And mm-hmm. finally I do one shot of Jameson and, and that, that one beer wonder that my brother talked mm-hmm. about, yeah. um, it happened, you know, you're, and you're like, well, you're like Will Ferrell in old school. You know, yeah. It was Frank the tank. <laughs> exactly. So, Streaking through the gymnasium. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, uh, which I might've done at Gettysburg. Um, but, uh, <laughs> but the thing, funny, yeah, the, we're very happy. There was no Instagram or whatever. Yeah, oh my gosh. Like I know. I know. <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, so there's this, there's something also like in, in AA terms, uh, they call it the phenomenon of craving. And okay. so it's like when you take that first sip mm-hmm. or whatever, the phenomenon of craving mm-hmm. comes like over you. And it's mm-hmm. just, it's just, I need more, mm-hmm. more, you know what I mean? It's the, sure. I don't know if I ever enjoyed a drink in my life. Mm-hmm. Like I think about that, like, yeah. why would you do something so um, persistently and mm-hmm. so obsessively if you mm-hmm. don't even enjoy doing it? You know what I mean? I never took a sip and was like, wow, this is, I taste the aroma (laughs) of leather and chocolate. You know, it's like, no, whatever. Yeah. 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 yeah, Take it down more. And so, um, I took that first drink, uh, you know, they, they say it's the first drink that gets you drunk because if you don't take that first drink, you're good to go. And, um, and I just went all in and then, Mm. It was that it was cocaine all night. It was, you know what I mean? And it was, it was just, mm. it was just, uh, needless to say. And the next day I'm meeting her parents mm. and wow. I didn't sleep a wink. And so needless to say that relationship didn't last weird. Got it. And, uh, <laughs> you know, <laughs> what's her problem, right? <laughs> yeah. Right? Um, but I will say that night, that, that incident, that whole thing, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. For whatever reason, the next day I said, "I'm never, I'm mm-hmm. never drinking again. I'm never 
doing that. Gotcha. That, you know, drugs again. And, and I didn't, and I, and what, I, uh, and what, um, what year was this? Approximately? It, was, it was March of 2018. Got it. Okay. Um, yeah. And, 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 uh, so I, I kind of white knuckled it. I got off, I got off everything. And, and I had, you know, a couple a few times at that point, like I said, I wasn't taking um, pills or anything, but I, had, mm-hmm. it took me like three different tries to like really get off. Sure. Vicodin. I mean, that stuff was nasty, nasty way harder than, yeah. than the booze. Um, but I, but I did stop. And that year I, I didn't jump into the AA program. I hired a life coach first and I worked mm. with him and I started getting different, you know, just different perspective and, and mm-hmm. learning about awareness. And I remember him telling me that um, our, our awareness is like a toolbox. He said, so if I were to come to you and I give you a, um, some Fisher Price tools and I said, Jay, you know, I said, Jamie, go, go build me this house mm-hmm. uh, and use these tools. The chances <laughs> of you building a very, good structure yeah. is pretty slim. wouldn't be very good no it'd be awful right. <laughs> but if i gave you dewalt tools you have a yeah. much better shot much better shot. absolutely something. sure yeah, respectable so um he's he was saying that's that's very similar to our to our where our okay. self-awareness is as we gain more and more they become the, the dewalt tools hmm. and um and it's through you know he he also said to me he's like you beat yourself up about a lot of things. He's mm-hmm. like, but it's pretty mm-hmm. clear that you didn't have that self-awareness. Mm-hmm. He's like, so how are you supposed to make the changes if you didn't have it? Mm-hmm. And I, and I was like, Very yeah, cool. I, I get it. And, and he's like, the difference comes when you get the awareness. Now, what are you going to choose to do with it? You know, mm-hmm. if you continue down that old path, well, then you kind of get what that's, he's that's on you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Yeah. Um, gotcha. But if you make the changes and, and are also uh, not to be cliche or, but gentle mm-hmm. enough with yourself, you know, there's got, mm-hmm. there's, it's yeah. a learning curve. Like it's a rewiring right. of the brain, yeah. um, especially yeah. with like opioids and stuff. That stuff, that sure, stuff. It's very, really, it's really, you're up against something real serious. It's not, you don't just say like, Oh, I'm, I'm going to turn that off now. Yeah, yeah. And I think I can really, you know, relate in a lot of ways as far as like just having come from team team sports background to just that achievement and then the military as well but um just that achievement and just you know i have high standards for myself and i i think it's very easy for a lot of us who are entrepreneurs or achievers or just type a people who've you know have that drive and you have talked about that energy to really not allow for any mistakes to be acceptable. Yeah. I mean, you know, and, and that, you know, I think there's some level of that's good to push yourself, of course. Right. But, but um, so how, so tactically speaking over the last say five years, how do you, how, like, how does one get better at self-awareness? What, what, what do you do besides talk to a life coach? And I'm not dismissing that, but I'm saying, no, like, no, no. Um, how do we get better at that as individuals? Sure. Um, that was just my, that was just my, like, I was looking to like, like any, like everything I do when I decide like, Oh, I'm going to do it. I jump in. So yeah, yeah. I, I was like, I'm going to hire a coach and, uh, and he was yeah. wonderful. I did. I did learn a whole lot, but that's not the only way to do anything. Sure. Um, a year into my sobriety, I was, I went to my first AA meeting and I did that 
because I, I was like, well, I don't understand why I was drinking the way that I was drinking. And mm-hmm. maybe if I go sit in a room with these people, I can learn something about myself. And of sure. course, like the, the arrogant douche that I could be at times, <laughs> like, I walked into the room with no intention of doing the 12 steps or anything like that, because in my mind, um, in my mind, I thought the 12 steps were a, a method to quitting. Um, when in I fact, see. It's a it's a it's a handbook. It's a guidebook for living a good life. Again, it's not the only way to do things whatsoever. I'm not. I don't push anything on people. I don't Mm -hmm. tell people not to drink or do do whatever you want to do. Drinking and doing drugs is a lot of fun if you can do it the right (laughs) way. You know what I mean? But um, but you thought to your you said I already quit, so I don't need these twelve steps. Um, Yeah, and and very quickly I realized like oh this is not these steps are not about just quitting. And if you read enough, um, you know, personal growth or well, like self, self wellness, self-help books, whatever it is, everybody's really kind of saying the same thing just (laughs) in their own rhetoric. And so that the 12 steps, I mean, you can see that, uh, you can see that in, in, like I said, different self-help books, you can see it in the Bible. You can see, I mean, Sure. It all kind yeah. of follows, you know, the same the same guidelines. And yeah. and so there must be some sort of truth to it, you know. And that's, that's the way I look at it. But um so I, I started going to to those meetings. I, I read a lot of books. I started meditating, mm-hmm. um, really work on my presence. And and if I'm being completely honest, I've been terrible lately. So <laughs> I'm glad I'm I'm calling myself out right now. Yeah. It changes it changes now. <laughs> yeah. Um but that that was an absolute game changer. Um, breathing, uh, breath yeah. Work was, yeah, I've been doing that myself this yeah. this whole year. Actually, it's it's awesome. Amazing, I mean, right? It's so good. It's really yeah. really good. I I completely. I mean, you and I were athletes, you know, hardcore, whatever, like yeah. t- tough guys or whatever, maybe. And I would have laughed. I mean, just I never considered breath work. I mean, granted, uh-huh. now it's more popular, but. It just sounds ridiculous. If if you're going back to our college days, like what are you talking about, man? Like yeah. that's insane. I mean, I literally every I've barely missed any days this entire year. And it's not to say, you know, I don't need a pat on the back, but it's been it's really been a game changer. It's been like I, I mean, it's 10 minutes a day is what I do every yeah. morning. I do breath work and it's been phenomenal just to kind of reset and just I mean, the physiological benefits and mental health benefits are huge. Totally. Um, and, so. and, you know, one of the one of the other things that I did was I've always been extremely um, blessed to to be able to make friends. And, and yeah. you know, I yeah, like you're, I really yeah, you're, you're a very likable guy. Easy to well, I appreciate with. you. So, yeah. <laughs> um, but I, I was I, I really love people like I truly, yeah. truly have uh, have love for people. And mm-hmm. and when I was using and drinking and everything like mm. that was just, it was so, it was dissipating mm. so much. And it was such a That's sad, right. it was such a sad thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, so when I started making a lot of these changes in my life, one of the things that I had heard over and over was, if you want to know who you, the type of person that you are, look at the five people you hang out with most. Mm-hmm. Yep. And I just, I remember looking and I, there's, this is nothing against some of the people that I used to hang out with right. because in, in the same regard, 
that they probably weren't serving my best interests. I wasn't serving theirs either. You know what I mean? We were the same people just on different sides. So, um, so I really started becoming, you know, more cognizant of, of who I was hanging out with, who I was Mm -hmm. listening to, um, you know, what I was putting into my, into my body, um, in terms of, I've always been fairly healthy in terms of outside of the drugs. (laughs) Yeah. Um, That might sound like ridiculous, you know, just based on the context that we've already gone over and presented here, but, but I hear you, you can, you can, you can drink and even do drugs and generally eat, eat, have a very healthy diet and exercise. Exactly. Um, Yeah. Um, but, uh, but I was, like even cognizant of like the music I was listening to and mm-hmm. the movies that I was watching. And again, I, I like them all. I, I like everything from yeah. like, you know, gory horror to, to yeah. romantic comedy. I like right. everything. But I, what I realized is like, if I was going, if I had a meeting with you later on in the yeah. day, sure. well, maybe I don't need to be listening to um, the heaviest heavy metal uh, <laughs> because my cortisol is going to be through the roof and it's not going to serve me. So it yeah. started, I just started paying attention to if I do this, then this might happen. You know sure. what I mean? Yeah. Um, the the really kind good. of chain reaction that. Yeah, that absolutely. No, I've been just, just briefly, I, I've been, uh, you know, my daughter, my 16 year old daughter doesn't want to hear it from me, of course, but just who she follows on Instagram or who, what music she's listening to. Again, this, I sound like my parents did back in the day. I have no issue with rap or any other kind of music, but if, if, if it's like the heart, you just have to be, you know, just be aware of me because if 95% of what she's listening to is, is kind of like, you know, really hardcore rap. And again, no issue with rap by itself, right. but it just, that becomes your thoughts and, and eventually your thoughts become your behavior. And that's yeah. like who you are really. I mean, it's like, yeah, so, no, but it, no, I, yeah. exactly right yeah yeah it, it's it, you're totally right and and there's a time and place for everything that's it right it, right it's, it's sort of like um you know if you're if you're in finance or something and you have yeah they get to hear the term diversify your portfolio it's right. kind of like well diversify your life in enough too where you're not solely stuck in in one arena because if that's all you're listening to you become my op we become my op <laughs> you know what i mean sure. and it's just like it's very, we don't, we're not malleable anymore. We're not, we're not as open to, to other things. And so, um, but, um, and, you know, so to this day, I still, I go to um, a number of AA meetings every Mm -hmm. week. Um, One of the greatest things uh, that has come about from those meetings is, is my, uh, is the ability to be of service to other people. So Mm -hmm. I'm able to help. I've been able to help a number a number of people in the rooms. Awesome. Um, and then, you know, even at the beginning of this year, I've never been a big social media guy. I don't like post my life up on, you know, on social sure. media all the time. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But, uh, you know, the service thing, um, the service thing is really important to me. And mm-hmm. so at the beginning of the year, I made a commitment to myself that on the first of every month or, or give mm-hmm. or take a couple of days, I mm-hmm. would put up a post on Instagram and Facebook, basically, mm-hmm telling a little bit of my story yeah. through, you know, journey through addiction and everything. Yeah. And I think that's how you that's, saw that's why, that's why we're here. And that's yeah. why my listeners are getting the opportunity to, to hear from you. And we're trying to help put your, your story out there to benefit other people. But that is why we're here. I wouldn't have, 
I mean, you and I hadn't kept in touch, unfortunately, yeah. but um, I saw one of your posts and I was like, I gotta, I gotta reach out and connect with him. Um, so yeah, good, good and, on and you. So <laughs> it, and it, it's good because it, it, it's, it was an uncomfortable, it's still an, an uncomfortable thing sure. for me to do every month. Um, but there, that willingness to go into the uncomfortable to find, and yeah. to find, be, get comfortable in the uncomfortable. It's yeah. a really important thing, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And it's, it, um, and, and while it's, it's done as an act of service for others. We all benefit. Like there's mm. uh, nobody benefits from it greater than, than myself. I know that, mm. you know? Um, sure. And so it's a win-win. And, uh, and I, so, so I started doing that and it, it was amazing, Jamie, like the number of people, you know, I talked to, like I said, I help people in the rooms every week, but the number of people that reached out from my past um, have reached out based on these posts, mm. uh, whether it be about themselves or somebody mm. they love or whatever, mm. Mm. it was it was mm. remarkable. Like people wow. I hadn't spoken to in thirty years, and wow. they're like, "Hey, I read this. I, I, you know, could you maybe?" It's just that's it's awesome. been amazing. That's that's awesome. Um, really cool. And and life's just better now you know i'll tell you real quickly before we go so you know i came home during covid um uh i i i needed to i can't i called my parents and i said i'm going to come home for six weeks and do a physical therapy protocol out of hospital for special surgery in new york on on my spine from a an, a, an injury in the past mm-hmm. and um that that six-week therapy protocol turned into six surgeries over two years and I looked crippled. I, I could hardly walk. Um, and it it was just, you know, and it was a mental, it was screwing with me mentally, of Mm. course. In addition to that, some of the doctors I went to, I I chose to go to certain doctors. I handed over my savings basically Mm. like, and that's okay. It's just money. I mean, it's, it's, Mm -hmm. you know, it's serious, but that's, that was an incredible amount of stress it's been for the last couple of years. It's been crazy. And um, basically losing, I don't want to say everything because it's not everything, but losing the financials, that's a, that's a serious thing at our age. Um, But, and not to sound cliche, it's also been one of the most beautiful times of my life. I produced Mm -hmm. this film, Black, White, and the Grades in the middle of all of this. Yeah. which I'm is more very, proud very good, by the way. I've, I've, I've Thanks, watched man. it. It's, it's awesome. I, I highly recommend it. the listener to go check that out. Black, White, and the Grays. Yeah, sure. it's on Amazon Prime Video. And yeah, talk, tell, tell us real quick. Tell, talk about the, the movie. Um, yeah, so um, the movie revolves around an interracial couple on the verge of divorce, quarantining together during the pandemic and, and Black yeah. Lives Matter movement. Um, yeah. So it's 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 real. It's a comedy, and uh, no, it's it's very much not. <laughs> nice. But um, it's a, it's a terrible pitch too. When I tell people that's like what it's about, it's like why do I want to watch this movie? But I would implore you and encourage you. Like it 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 is a film that you're not expecting that, that right. at all, and and it's a film for everybody. It's it's for sure. there's no political biases in it. There is no agenda to it except to to create open discourse and, and tolerance of one another and understanding like yeah. compromise um things those, that those are lacking. yeah those those are bad words apparently in, in today's exactly. culture no my wife and i both really really enjoyed it so i definitely recommend thank you, thank you. Um, watch it 
but you know, so uh, so there's been all of this crazy stuff that have happened in the last couple of years with my health and with finances and all this kind of stuff. And in the middle of it, I got to produce the film that I'm most proud of, uh, the, the piece that I'm absolutely most proud of as an actor mm-hmm. and a producer. Um, and also it's been an opportunity to put in practice so many of the things that I've been working mm-hmm. on myself because mm-hmm. yeah, I'm just going through the fire right now. That's mm-hmm. the deal. I'm being tested, you know, mm-hmm. and yeah. either I can recognize it for what it is as a test mm-hmm. and I can yeah. try to, to, to do my best in that situation, no matter yeah. how hard it might be, or I can try to escape and I know where that's going to lead to sure. because I tried that. I tried that before. And well, it's interesting. Yeah. I, I was actually talking to my sister who was on my podcast. Um, I remember that one. It was great. That was the first yeah. one I listened to. I just saw her um, uh, two days ago in uh, Brooklyn. But anyway, we were saying that, you know, I, I was saying basically it would be awesome to have, um, you know, interview someone now when they're in adversity because all most of our guests, you know, they've, and again, no one's ever done with adversity. We don't pre- pretend like, oh, I had a hard upbringing and now I have all my problems are gone. Um, no one's life is like that. But it would be cool to, to interview someone who's kind of in the thick of it still. And then, you know, kind of totally. in real time, we'll have to follow your your path to abundance. Yeah, and and, and we back. can talk again for sure. I mean, <laughs> because there's there's certainly, I mean, there's a lot of like, there's some stuff going on. Yeah. Like you said, that's everybody. And my and and what I'm going through right now doesn't compare to somebody else's and and yeah. Yeah. whatever, right. but it is it's, but, it's mine. but it's real. It's real. It's real. Yeah. <laughs> um so, I, I have a few uh before we get to my rapid fire questions. Yeah, um, please. How do you do like when you, you talked about the five people, you know, that um that you hang out with, you're essentially the average of the five people that you associate with the, right. the most. How does someone become intentional about, you know, do you just say, I, I'm never speaking to you again? You know, if, if you, to somebody who's not a good influence on you, how do you, how do you navigate that from a practical standpoint? Cause it sounds good, but how do you actually implement that saying, no, I'm, I'm now going to only allow these positive influences in my life and I'm going to be a positive. How, how does that work? Um, I don't think, I mean, maybe, maybe some people just say, you know, look at, look at their five friends and be like, you're out, I'm done. I don't know. Maybe that's how some people do it. Um, for me, it wasn't, it wasn't like that. It was more just like, I started thinking about the person, the person that I wanted to be and versus the person who I thought I was, because that, that was some very gray area there. I, Mm -hmm. I, in, in, as I got sober, it was scary how much uh, I was not the person I thought I was. Mm. And I wasn't the person that I thought other people thought I was. If mm. that makes sense. You know, yeah, I, makes sense. My, my perception of what people thought of me was not accurate. Mm. Um, so uh, I started thinking about what I wanted to be, who I wanted to be, what I wanted to do. And I just started making gradual steps toward, toward mm. those, I guess, toward those goals. Sure. Um, and those goals didn't, you know, include going out to the bar three times a week or didn't, sure. include, you know what I mean? So yeah. in, in just kind of taking an alternative path, um, yeah. it presented opportunity to to meet people who are more in line with, uh, you know, where I was was headed. 
Sure. Um, and I think it just kind of naturally happens. But again, the people from my party days and everything, mm-hmm. I don't hate them. I still drop right, them right. line here. You know what I mean? And yeah. most of them have made um, giant changes themselves. You know what I mean? So, sure. so um, it's, it's, awesome. they're wonderful people. Like I said, yeah. there, it wasn't their fault it, it, right. at all. It was, well, it may, and, and like maybe it was good for them that you weren't around. I'm not, I'm not yeah. putting you down, but it, it sounds course. like it probably mutually beneficial. To, That's to what come. I mean. It, it's, yeah. It, yeah. it's a, it's a group effort. You know, it's, yeah. it's a we thing. It's not, it's right. not, there's no blame to an individual. I just figured that your first call was going to be to Jay Faruja and say, I can't, can't hang out with you anymore. No, no. So Faruja, <laughs> it's so funny, dude, that you know, Faruja. so um, Faruja, uh, Faruja is one of the guys when I met him mm-hmm. um, that was really an influence on me and not mm-hmm. in the way that he never told me, you know, you ought to do this to, to, so he never yeah, told he me. He wasn't, he wasn't preachy about it, right? No. I just yeah. started paying attention to the way he did, did things and everything. Mm-hmm. And he kind of popped up at a time where mm-hmm. I, a lot of changes were, were beginning. Yeah. From. And to the, for the listener, it was a bit of an aside, but Jay Frugia is a big uh, fitness guy and, and, and Jay and Jay are, are very good friends. So we'll have to, on our follow-up episode, we'll have to dive into how you met him yes. and, all, and all that. Um, but yeah, I, I've, uh, he's a, great uh person to follow for sure um so um anything else you want to touch i do have a bunch of uh, some rapid fire questions but um you know is uh as far as what you have going on right now professionally black light and and grays is is a black white and the grays sorry Um, is uh that's the black black light and the grays is like black light it's like a hippie dorm room (laughs) it's funny Uh, i knew that i knew it and i I looked at my notes and i wrote it down wrong in my in my notes but um yeah that that movie's out right now um it's only been out for about a month but it's doing great uh it'd be you know check it out if you know leave a review um but um we had there's another so Casey Nelson, who who's was the the brains behind this the, the idea for Black, White, and the Grays, he and Marshall Thurman wrote it and directed it. Um, Casey has a number of other projects, but there's one called The Music Makers that I'm really trying to put together right now, and 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 um, some other ones as nice. well. So awesome, yeah, cool. that's coming. Are you ready for some rapid fire questions before we get Let's out go. of here? Absolutely. Right. Uh, what is one thing that people misunderstand about you, Jay? Oh my gosh. It's a tough tough one. It's a tough one. I'm not going to lie. One thing that people misunderstand about me is. Come on. You're supposed to have quick reflexes. Yeah. Sorry. Okay. (laughs) Uh, I guess, you know, sometimes um, there's a lot more going on inside than the smile that I often put on the outside. Okay. So that's a good answer. Um, if you could go back and give your 18 year old self some advice, what would that be? Decide what's most important to you and put all your focus toward that. Love it. If you could have coffee with any historical figure, they could still be alive today. Who would that be? Oh my goodness. You can say me, you can say the, the lacrosse legend of Gettysburg. So, yeah, I'm, just, I'm James kidding. Aren't we having this? <laughs> yeah, um, right now. Uh, 
No, let me think about that one sec. Um, somebody that it doesn't have to be your only in. cup of coffee. Yeah, we can come back. If yeah. you were given ten million dollars tomorrow, Jay, what would you do with it? Um, I would. God, Jamie. <laughs> I would help a lot of people. I'll tell you that. Okay. Um, I, I would help a lot of people. Uh, awesome. I would, I would set, you know, there would be some allocation of funds to some people that I know could use it, but there would also be, um, I, I would put that money toward, 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 I don't know whether, like I have a charity, you know, so may, you know, it would go some okay. of it through that, like kind of building that out. I also would have a lot of fun. Um, <laughs> yeah, I would, I'm like, a, like I would, I would travel. I would um, be adventurous and um, probably do some things that could probably land me in the surgical room. Jeez, <laughs> <laughs> oh, we need like a somebody to help. You know, help oversee this this you know direction of funds or something like that. Uh, but, yeah, yeah, exactly. I, yeah, <laughs> I, I'll call everyone. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Um, do you think of a someone you want? You want oh, to that, who I want to sit, uh, Jackie <laughs> Robinson, maybe. Okay. What um? What an amazing talk about you know going back to the thing I said uh, a minute ago. Like, take, focus on the things that are important for you know. Put all the focus toward that and go and go forward. Sure. I mean, what a story of perseverance. Yeah. Um, and not only perseverance, but high performance. Mm. in while going through the fire i mean yeah. we talk about that time going through of going through the fire that dude went through the fire you know from sure. beginning to end um and still put up you know yeah absolutely MLB numbers so that's, yeah, that's uh awesome. there's 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 got to be I, I bet i could learn a lot from that guy absolutely we all could um what is an occupation that you would try if you could just randomly switch to a, a another occupation military Love it. Great answer. All right. Jay Jablonski, what is one question that I have not asked you that you wish I had? Um, <laughs> we can save it for the follow-up interview. Um, yeah. But, uh, wanna, just want to make sure we've covered everything you want to. Um, no, I, I think so. And I, I hope, I mean, is there a question, is there anything that, that, you wanted me to talk about or no i mean the only other question is where we can uh where our listeners can find you online reach out to you if yeah if you know if they need if they'd like to yeah please um so i'm on facebook as just jay jablonski though i don't i don't really i I guess more the one i use is instagram um it's jay jablonski Mm -hmm. and the number one and um and you know our film is is at black white and the grays uh, we have blackwhiteandthegrays.com and then on Instagram, just blackwhiteandthegrays. And, um, and yeah, that's, that's, and you can awesome. check me out on IMDb if you want. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. No, I mean, it's, uh, I really appreciate you not only taking the time, but just being so vulnerable, Jay. It's not, you know, it's, it, it's probably easier to, I, I don't know, but you know, it's one thing to put up a post, but it's, you know, it's hard to come on here and talk about, talk about these things and i appreciate you being real and being vulnerable for the benefit of the, the listener and all of us yeah um 
couple a couple of points i you know just the self-awareness thing was huge just being you know just for all of us to try to you know just get better at being self-aware and then just the through that is is in your case learning about fear and how big fear um what a big role that fear was playing in your life and and um you know again we're all we're all a work in progress and so um absolutely i i there's you, you dropped a lot of uh actionable knowledge and uh you have a super interesting story so go ahead um the one thing i would say is and and i this isn't reinventing the wheel or anything um no matter what situation that we find ourselves in um whether it's brought about by our own hand or by somebody else's there's never gonna be we're the only only we can pull ourselves out of it. You know what I mean? And sure. that that's really hard because especially if you find yourself in a, in a place um, that's that it wasn't your fault why you got there. Yeah. In my case, it was my fault. hundred percent. I'm just saying mm-hmm. um, in other people's cases though, it's, it might not be, but yeah, there's no lifeboat coming. Yeah. And it, it, it what will happen is if you, it, it's, we we have to take the first steps sure. to, to to getting ourselves out of that situation. And yeah. as as we start making a little bit of progress, I think other people start recognizing, mm. and then they start. Oh well, maybe I can help you in this way. Maybe, but mm-hmm. we also they have to it. be open to asking mm-hmm. for help. Sure. Um, no, absolutely. I think it's that's all. Those are all very good points. It's it's not that you're alone and you're going to have to fix a hundred percent of everything. And you, you know, because obviously community, as you said earlier, community is huge with right. with all of this. But you do have to take ownership of your situation, regardless yeah. of whether you put yourself there or not. Um, you know, I think of the Jocko Willink wrote a book called Extreme Ownership, and it's right. you know, it's like he talks about whether and he talks about it on his podcast all the time, whether you created this environment that you find yourself in or not, doesn't matter. You're here. Yeah. So to get out, you've got to own it and, and take responsibility for, for fixing it. That would also include asking for help, like you said. Um, So speaking of book, before we wrap up, do you have any other book recommendations? Um, The War of Art, Stephen Pressfield. Yeah, yeah, Um, absolutely. I need to um, read that one. Amazing book. Um, this one is, I think everybody says this, but the alchemist, you know, Paulo Coelho, um, sure. it's, it's just written in such a, a way that's so, it's just so relatable. And it's really, it's like, oh, this is, it's like another guide, guidebook for life. Um, sure. uh, and the, the, the boy, the mole, the fox and the horse. Do you know that okay. book? No. I okay. No. Okay. I'm going to send, I'm gonna send you that book. <laughs> okay. Um, it's basically a, it's like a picture book. Um, okay. And it's one of the most beautiful, beautiful books like that, that kind of sums up life in, in, a, in an amazing way. Okay. So, you don't, you don't think I can handle the other books with words? I, I no, I just, I don't, I want to give you, give you a break. I don't know how many times you got hit in, in, in the head. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's true. So, all right. Well, Jay, this has been a lot of fun, man. This is really, uh, again, I appreciate awesome. you taking, taking the time. I appreciate, and being... you, appreciate you reaching out and, and it's been great reconnecting and, and we're going to stay in touch for sure. 
Sounds great. Thanks a lot, Jay. Appreciate it. Thanks, Jamie. And to the listener out there, thank you for spending your most valuable resource with us. And that is your time. Thanks, everyone. Take care. Investors, have you ever experienced challenging communication or the headache of tracking taxes and insurance? Meet BiFi, a loan servicing company founded by investors for investors. With an expert team and best-in-class vendors, BiFi will partner with you to service your loan from start to exit. Visit BiFiLS.com to see how you can get started today. That's B-I-F-I-L-S.com. Thank you for spending your most valuable resource with us, your time. If you like the show, please share it with your friends and fellow podcast listeners. One entrepreneur at a time, we can change the world. See you next time. Hey there, it's Jamie Bateman. Ever felt boxed in by life's challenges? Dive into my new book, From Adversity to Abundance, Inspiring Stories of Mental, Physical, and Financial Transformation. Available now on Amazon. From a former bank robber's redemption to a young entrepreneur's victory over hurdles, these stories are not just inspiration. They're the roadmaps to your transformation. Whether for you or as a powerful gift to friends and family, especially those who might not tune into podcasts, this book is a beacon to a life of abundance. Ignite that inner fire and set your course to the life you've imagined. Purchase yours today on Amazon and light the path for someone you love.